Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the show and a Wednesday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac. I'm Dan McLaughlin, our producer today, Colin Surrey. This morning, I'll visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. And we'll get up to date with the latest in minor league baseball, how guys will be paid. Is there even a chance of a minor league season? And what's also happening with the negotiations for the major leagues? Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com, my guest. Okay, we start with baseball. Where is it? Where is baseball in their negotiations? Buster only of ESPN. They're not really negotiating. They just seem to be repackaging their ideas and then presenting them again, and they're not really working toward the middle ground. For example, on the owner's side, we initially heard about maybe a 50-50 revenue split, giving the players a chunk of money saying, this is what's available. The players indicated, no, that wouldn't be acceptable. So then we got the sliding scale 82 game proposal. And then yesterday, we heard about, well, you know what? Uh, if the 82 game's not acceptable, the sliding scale, we'll give you a 50-game schedule with this same chunk of money. And on the player's side, all their proposals are that the players would get full prorated salary. The bottom line, time is ticking. Tick, tick, tick as we try to wait for a season. However, you want to look at how this comes about. Okay, the window closing on bringing the sport back before the other ones potentially return. That's a lost opportunity. The look of these negotiations from the economic side, that has been poor. That's not good. So here's how it works out. From the player's perspective, the 114-game season, I did a little math here. That was proposed. That that was, Colin, the full prorated salary. So that means they would get about 70% of their expected salary for the year. Okay, you're down. Sounds good. Okay, sounds good so far. Fifty game season, which has been proposed by the owners, pays them just over thirty percent. So, what's in the middle? Eighty two games, and I think that's where we're going here. They're negotiating. They're going back forth, uh, back and forth. The original proposal was let's get to eighty two. So get it done. The players would get more than 50 games. The owners would get another pay decrease from the 114. It can be done, but will it? Also, do all the players actually want to play? I think pretty much 100%. Look, we heard from Blake Snell asking the question out loud on that video. Uh, essentially, is it worth it? And I think a lot of players are going to be asking that question whenever they get the final terms in the deal with the owners. And I do think eventually they'll get to a deal. Uh, but there might be health concerns for an individual player. There might be a player who's headed into free agency in the fall and says, you know what, I don't want to be judged on a small sample. There might be concerns about uh, injury risks, especially after this weird spring training thing that they're going through. I think that's why the players the other day with their 114-game proposal addressed the idea of players who opt out of playing this year and asking that they get fully paid. Agents are telling me there will be players who will not participate. Is it worth it? It's a great question. Now, there's inherent risk if and when they play because of the coronavirus. There's inherent risk when I come to this studio, when I go to the grocery store, when I go get gas. So there's inherent risk for the players. But Buster brings up something I hadn't really thought about. Not playing because of the potential of free agency. So if you're Mookie Betts, for instance, let's use him as a great example, or you're Trevor Bauer or some of the other guys that'll get a year of service time and become free agents, whether or not they play, you've shown already you're one of the best players in the league. 
Mookie Betts will be a free agent after the season. What if he goes out in a shortened season and doesn't play well? Is the shortened 50 or 82 or 114 game season really worth it? Will he be judged on those games? Has he been able to properly uh, properly prepare for this season? What I mean by that, workouts, hitting, throwing, and he comes in in a shortened spring. Is he even ready? So it's something I haven't really thought about. I'd love to get your response. Air Comfort Service, text line 65780, Rhino Shield, Mike Drop. It was this date in baseball history that Sammy Sosa was caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Uh-oh, a cork bat. Me too. night at Wrigley Field was Chip Carey. He was doing the Cubs then and working with Steve Stone, one of the best analysts in all of sports. And Chip joins us on this Wednesday morning. Chip, what do you remember about that night at Wrigley Field when you saw that bat shatter? <laughs> well, I remember it was absolute chaos because nobody could figure out at first what the heck was going on. Uh, obviously, um, you know, Sammy was uh, doing Sammy things, and every time the ball left his bat, it was a, a highlight reel. And I just remember that Tim McClellan was the home plate umpire. I think it was Tampa Bay was who the, the Cubs were playing that day. And uh, the bat shatters and stuff goes flying all over the place, and chaos ensues. There was a rush to get the bat, get the bat shards out of the way. Sammy gets thrown out of the game. I didn't realize what I was seeing until Steve Stone pointed out and said, yeah, I think he's throwing him out of the game. I think there's something wrong with the bat. He may have said he even has a cork bat. And, you know, from our perch at Wrigley Field, you can't really see exactly, uh, you know, everything in, in shall we say, uh, uh, clearest focus from that high perch. But all I remember was there was contact, the bat shattered, and pandemonium took place. And Stoney was, he was on it right away, wasn't he, in seeing that it oh, was yeah. a cork bat? Yeah, he knew. He knew right away. And that's, again, like you said, you're open. That's why he's the best analyst in the business. He sees things that mere mortals don't. And luckily for us, he did. He saw something was wrong with that and knew that Tim McClellan was going to make Sammy go bye-bye. What happened after that in terms of legacy with Sammy and just the, the fact that he was using an illegal bat? Well, as you remember, during the home run chase, everybody was saying, well, we've got to x-ray all the bats. We've got to make sure that none of these bats that he was using were forged because that would put us on you know, his chase of all the records and all that kind of stuff. And this is before anybody really knew about steroids and all that craziness. Um, what was really interesting was, as I said, the mad dash to get the bat. Uh, there was a rumor, and I've never confirmed it, but I did ask people. Uh, there was a rumor that after the game, all kinds of bats and equipment started disappearing from the Cubs locker room, from the Cubs equipment room. Uh, there was a rumor that uh, down the hallway from the Cubs locker room, you know, Wrigley Field down the left field line, uh, there's Gate D. Uh, at Gate D, it was wide open. That's where the Cubs clubhouse used to be. And uh, all kinds of equipment just got shoved in a cab. Somebody handed a cabbie 100 bucks and said, get out of here and don't come back. Now, I don't know if that's true <laughs> or not. But, you know, in typical Chicago conspiracy circles, it uh, makes for a great story. Uh, but needless to say, there was, uh, you know, 
It's like when other guys were using bats in the, maybe the George Brett Pintar game. They have a bat hidden in the rafters of Yankee Stadium, and they made sure the investigators didn't find it. There may have been some skullduggery like that going on. Uh, but needless to say, in typical Cubs and Chicago fashion, uh, it's a story that took on a life of its own. And heck, who knows if it's true or not. And in the final question, what was it like after that trying to do the game? I mean, we, you know, we're, we're team broadcasters. We're trying to promote these players. Sammy's one of the biggest stars in the game. What was that like for you guys? Uh, it was certainly different. You know, obviously, <laughs> even, even 20 years ago, people watched the games differently than they do now. Back then, you know, you can watch the game. You watch it all the way through. Now people are in and out. I think today's broadcast would be a little difficult because you'd have to remind people of why your guy got kicked out of the game. And you'd have to use the term, well, that that was allegedly corked and supposedly corked. And everybody in the world knows uh, when you see the shards of batter Super Bowls or whatever it was flying all over the field that something's amiss. Uh, but it was different. Obviously, uh, it was a stain. Uh, nobody wants to get caught cheating. I'm sure it happens a lot. And that's the first rule, is it not? Uh, if you're going to cheat, don't get caught. And Sammy did. Uh, it was embarrassing. He was a proud player. I think he later apologized for it. His claim was he had that bat for batting practice and uh, somehow got put back in the bat rack and he didn't know, yada, yada, yada. And one can only take it at his word for that. Only he knows if that was accurate or not. Uh, but look, uh, you know, as, as we all know, great players and broadcasters and executives, uh, the superstars are there for a brief moment in time, and the game goes on. That game went on. Quite frankly, I don't even remember if the Cubs won, but I do remember Tim McClellan throwing out Sammy Sosa for court back, and uh, it made for a great story. And obviously, we're still talking about it decades later. And Tim McClellan was part of the George Brett game, if memory serves correct, too, right? Tim McClellan was the home plate umpire yeah. in the George Brett game. And my broadcast partner in Atlanta, it's funny how life uh, goes full circle. My broadcast partner in Atlanta, Joe Simpson, if you look at that video, Joe Simpson's the guy that held George Brett back from killing Tim McClellan. And George <laughs> Brett, he, he, was telling Joe on the, he was telling Joe on the bench, he said, if, uh, if he throws me out, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And then, he, obviously, he throws him out, and George Brett goes insane on the great highlights of all time. But it's my broadcast partner in Atlanta, Joe Simpson, that held him back. And, uh, in fact, if you look at one of the, uh, at that video, one of the other umpires saying, you got him, Joe, you got him, Joe. And Joe says, yeah, I got him. <laughs> got him because George Brett was a caged, was an uncaged tiger at the moment, uh, at Yankee Stadium. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Chip, for going down memory lane. Take care, my man. Oh, okay, Danny, you too. Chip is the absolute best. <laughs> that is funny. The best, Chip Carey. He's got so many stories, and he is widely considered one of the best play-by-play men in the sport, and our thanks to Chip Carey. So it got me thinking, how many guys used cork bats then and are using them now? You don't know. Players struggling, he says, I'll give it one at bat, maybe two, maybe this gets me going. We know for sure that pine tar is used for pitchers. We're seeing that more and more. For safety reasons, slick baseball probably should be used. But in the big picture, it's tough to cheat in this day and age of baseball. There's so many cameras on the players, the media access that is around the game. Remember Kenny Rogers in the 06 World Series against the Cardinals? Cardinals could see clearly. The rest of the country could see it. There was uh, pine tar being used. Why wasn't anything said? Because everybody's doing it, including the Cardinals. So that was this date in baseball history that Sammy got caught. And again, thanks to Chip. Just one of the best. Love listening to him. I mentioned many times that this could be a race to get on the field for any sport. Try to be the first one back. The reason, well, you want to be back, the money, your fans. 
but you open up your sport to a nation that is looking for anything. And that could be the case for the MLS, according to Taylor Twelman. There is an opportunity for the sport in the league to really get some eyeballs that would have never had those eyeballs on them because of the pandemic, because of the situation in our country. So they're trying to maximize that situation. But Scott, I've said this to you a couple of times now. The players have been off six of the last eight months. So if you expect them to train for two weeks and to come back and put on a product and not get injured, there's still got to be some wiggle room here where you allow the players to really get their fitness back because six out of the last eight months, that's an eternity for a professional athlete. As far as MLS for the Lou, I know that many of you have asked me about the team name, the colors, etc. Well, the stadium continues to go up in downtown St. Louis. But in terms of the other aspects uh, that I just mentioned, sources have indicated to me that they are waiting for the country to heal through the pandemic, through what's going on right now. It'll happen, but they want to do this right and uh, and not be oblivious to the other important parts of our daily lives. As far as what Taylor mentioned with the injuries, that's going to be big if and when sports comes back. I mean, these guys may just not be ready to play at that high of a level and push it too much. Time will tell. I'd love to find out. From the 314, Danny Mac, love hearing you and Chip. When you guys visit on your website or on 101, who are your favorite announcers? Ooh, I like that. I get asked this a lot. Chip is definitely one of my favorites because he not only calls a great game, but very quick-witted. He's as quick-witted as anybody I've been around. A lot of this stuff flies over my head when he's talking to me because I'm not very bright, but he is funny. Uh, John Miller, sensational in San Francisco. Loved him on Sunday Night Baseball. Football? I got to go with Al Michaels because he not only calls the game, but he makes you think as you're watching the game. And he has such a great grasp of the rules that at times can be very complicated in the sport. So he takes you through what I think what the coaching staff might do. Uh, Hockey, I really miss Gary Thorne on hockey. When he and Bill Clement were on uh, ESPN hockey games, it was big. And Gary never missed a big moment. Miss him on that. Basketball, go with Marv Albert. Takes me back to the days of the NBA on NBC. Michael Jordan. Golf, it's Jim Nance. Hello, friends. From the 573, really enjoying Randy and Michelle in the morning, and you've been a great addition to 101. Thank you. They've been talking a lot about the Sosa McGuire documentary. Just had Walt on. What do you want to see out of it? Well... Good question. I'm looking forward to it, more so because there isn't anything else on television. And look, we were all into the summer of 70. And if you say that you weren't, you're not being truthful. It was great theater. For me personally, I wasn't wondering about steroids at that time. Maybe you were. I wasn't. I was wondering about the next home run. And remember when they would open the gates early just to watch batting practice? I know McGuire feels he helped bring uh, back baseball. And he did. And even if the sport plays this year, what's going to help bring back declining attendance for the sport? Something to think about. As far as what I want to see, I want to know if Major League Baseball knew there was a steroids problem. And if they just turned a blind eye towards it in 1998. If they truly knew in 98 that there's issues. And they got to they gotta clean it up. Clearly, it was addressed after that, but what did they know then? I'll be curious about that and if they dive into that aspect of the summer of 98. From the 618, Danny Mac, I just want baseball. <laughs> I get it. We all do. I do think there will be a deal done. I buy, I, you know, I'm trying to be positive. I think the sport is going to look really different, though. 
Some of the best players, as we talked about earlier, they may not even play. No fans in the stands. Some of the odd rules may be added in. Fine, no problem. I'm all about it. This year is an outlier. I'm open-minded, and the sport has too much to lose with a lost season if it's over economics. Yesterday, if you missed it, I spoke with longtime Cardinals TV director Tom Mee. I think there will be a noticeable difference between home telecasts and road telecasts. We are not traveling this year, so we will be doing the road telecasts out of Channel 9, having no control of the game cut. Home games, I'll be cutting cameras and, and uh, we'll have a little more control. But when you, it's scary to me that you don't have control over the game cut. I mean, we'll have a couple of wide-angle lockdowns that we can use for uh, cutaways to full-page graphics or, or whatever. But it's going to be every director cuts the game differently. So there's a no, there's going to be a noticeable difference between the home cut and the road cut. Now I'm not saying somebody's cut is bad or somebody cut is good. Everybody's good, but it's going to be you'll, you'll notice it at home. You'll notice a difference. And as an announcer, we will call the game off a monitor. My understanding, I haven't been told that. But if they're on the road, we'd call it off a monitor. Fine. No problem. I'll embrace it. Let's have fun with it. Let's be positive. Because the greater responsibility for me, although it will be difficult, adverse conditions, is to make this fun. So let's make it fun. Make the most of it. Have fun with it. Look forward to it. And I will do that. Air Comfort Service text line. Anything's on the table. 65780. Rhino Shield. Mike Trop. Love to get those as well. Went a little long in this segment. Coming up, we'll visit with Brian Walton. Get caught up on the minor leagues and the current proposals. Going back and forth in Major League Baseball on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Colin Shuri is our producer. I'm Dan McLaughlin. It is 1027. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. So what is the latest with the minor leagues? A lot of bad news coming out with that with guys getting released or they don't want to make payments of $400 a week. There's also the new proposals with Major League Baseball. Love to visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Try to do it every week on my site. And he joins us on 101 ESPN. Brian, hope you're safe and healthy. How are you? Good, Dan. Good. It's uh, again. As uh, we say every week, there's always a lot of news to talk about, both at the major league and the minor league level. Yeah, let's start with the minor leagues. Uh, we're hearing about players getting cut across the board. The most notable was uh, the Oakland A's because they saved a million bucks. Their owner is worth, on paper, about $2 billion. So it, it caused a little bit of an up, uptick in uh, frustration, I think, from a baseball fan's perspective. Uh, just give me your thoughts on the state of the minor leagues right now. Well, there's kind of two things that happened this week. As you as you mentioned, um, the the $400 per week that all minor leaguers were receiving across the game covered the months of April and May. And so as we got to the end of May, uh, MLB decided not to have a blanket policy going forward. Each team would set their own path. And so the Oakland A's, as you said, said, we're not going to pay our minor leaguers at all anymore. Washington Nationals said, we're going to drop the pay to $300 and the, the the 40-man roster players, Max Mike, were so embarrassed about that, they said, you know, we're going to cover the extra 100 ourselves. And then a number of organizations like the Cardinals said, hey, you know, we're going to continue to pay. Although in the case of St. Louis, they said, we're going to go on a month-to-month basis and evaluate as we go. But assuming the season gets going at some point and the revenues roll in, the Cardinals are expected to, you know, continue to, to pay their minor leaguers. That's the positive. 
the negative side is there's a lot fewer minor leaguers to pay across the game because, again, in sort of a unilateral effort across the game, uh, uh, most organizations dropped a significant number of players. In the case of the Cardinals, it was 33 uh, minor leaguers that received their walking papers, uh, and that was official late last week, but, uh, you know, it now came to light on, uh, on Monday night. This would have happened anyway. I, I think baseball has done a bad job on the PR side in which not all minor leaguers would have been cut, but certain minor leaguers would have been cut at the end of spring. And with the draft coming up, you got to create roster spots. So some of these guys that got cut or released, that was going to happen, was it not? Uh, yes, but certainly not this number. And I think, but you know, I think the reality is that given the combination of the coronavirus, meaning you know that there there couldn't be a minor league season this year, you know, just logistically there was no way to open up all those ballparks, and the fact that these forty minor league teams are going away next year, you know, are are the big drivers. The fact that there's a lesser draft is really again a reality. Number one, that there's not going to be a season, and number two, that the owners are strapped for money, and so you know, yes. All these players that are getting released now would have gotten released by this time next year when there are fewer teams. But, you know, some of these guys would have had a better chance if there had been a season to, to prove themselves and they would have had a chance next spring, and now that's not going to happen. And so, ultimately, while these releases were expected, I didn't expect they were going to come this soon. And, and really what drove them this soon is, again, a business decision that says, you know, why are we going to continue to pay guys that we're not going to have jobs for next year? And that hurts, that stinks, but it's the reality of what's going on. So if you're a player, Brian, what 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 kind of recourse do you have in this situation? Are, are you no longer property of that organization, for lack of a better term? Um, or can you go out and find a different job? What, what, do you, what do you do? Well, yeah, now they're free agents. That basically, are these 33 players that uh, you know were let go by the Cardinals, they have to decide, hey, do I try to hook on with an independent league team somewhere, who, by the way, probably aren't playing this year either, uh, or, and, or do I stay in shape and try to get a new contract with someone else next spring in an environment where we know the number of jobs are cut by you know, roughly 1,200 across the game, or do I you know, move on to the rest of my life? And you know, a lot of these players went to college and have degrees or studied, and, but some of them don't, and they're going to have to figure out now the reality of, you know, what do they do? You know, what do I do with the rest of my life? And, you know, granted, these 33 players, and we can, you know, talk about the characteristics of some of them in a little bit, but, you know, there were none of them that were sure, you know, major leaguers, but there were guys that, you know, some of them might have had a chance to reach had they, you know, had a greater opportunity. But on the other side, you know, baseball is a business, and uh, organizations believe that they're better and better at identifying the players, you know, the, the subset of players who are going to make it to the majors. And, uh, you know, there's there's nobody here that was on our top 50 prospect list. It's a surefire major leaguer. And so, you know, chances are good that they've, you know, decided that these guys are guys that while they're productive minor leaguers, they're probably not going to be players that are going to be impact, you know, impact, uh, impactful for St. Louis down the road. But what do you do if you're the Oakland A's in a minor leaguer and, you, and you've been told I'm not going to pay you? I mean, how under law are they able to stay, again, lack of a better term, property of that organization? Yeah, I mean they have a they have a con, you know they have a contract or the organization that that says that they're that they're the property of that organization for baseball. Now I've heard a rumor. I'm not totally sure. I haven't totally explored it because it's not affecting the Cardinals. But I've heard that some of these players, their uniform player contracts have been suspended, so they could claim unemployment at least 
Um, but I'm not 100% sure about that. But, yeah, it's a difficult situation because, you know, until the minor league season is formally canceled, these players are supposed to be working out and ready to report in shape, you know, at a moment's notice. So it's, you know, it's a, it, you know it would be a really difficult situation if somehow the minor league season was to be scheduled and Oakland recalls all these guys in that, that they haven't been paying. And it's just, you know, I think the big thing, Dan, and, and you know, we talked about this, I think, last week, given the change in the draft, now, and, and the fact that free agents can only be paid uh, $20,000 or less in their signing bonus, where before they could have got up to 125000 Now, if you're a minor league free agent and you're looking at, hey, what organization do I want to sign with, since the pay is going to be the same, it's $20,000 or less, now I'm going to look at the teams, that uh, the organizations that treat their players the best. And I'm not going to go to Oakland. I'm going to go to Toronto, who increased their minor league salaries before anybody else. Or I'm going to go to the Giants, who are paying their minor leaguers actual housing um, stipends to help them cover their housing, you know, in their minor league cities. But, you know, I'm going to go to the organizations where they treat their players right, not the ones that, that cut corners any way they can. In terms of Major League Baseball, we have seen 114 games rolled out, maybe 82, maybe 50. Um, but in a general sense, it looks like the ball is rolling in a positive way, some way, somehow, to get a season in. What do you think? You know, I woke up Monday morning, Dan, and I was still pessimistic that there would be a season. I just thought that the that the sides were dug in and that, you know, they were going to have a hard time coming to agreement. But with the news that came out um, on Monday that the owners have agreed that they will go ahead and honor the March agreement to play the, pay the players a pro-rated pro rate of salary per games played, I think that was a huge, huge move by the major, by the owners. And for that reason, that the discussion is really, as you said, down to how many games they're going to play. And there will be some negotiation back and forth, but if you take the players' proposal of 114 and the owners' proposal proposal of 50, and you have that, you're at 82 games. So, you know, if they could come up with an 82-game season, I think everybody, you know, could and should be delighted about that. It's going to be reduced one way or another. Does an asterisk, uh, does that have to be a part of what we're going to see this year, in your opinion, as we look back on the history of 2020? Well, it's going to be, you know, depending on who you talk to. Uh, obviously, the more games you play, the more credible the end result is. But, you know, any year... Let's face it, the playoffs are a crapshoot. And, you know, the good news this year is there'll be an expanded number of playoffs, number of playoffs teams. So, you know, rarely does the team that wins the most games in the regular season also win the World Series. So, yeah, I'm, there'll be some kind of asterisk in some people's minds this year. But, you know, I think if they could play half a season, you know, that, that's pretty darn good. And I think we should, you know, given everything else that's going on around us in this world, you know, if they could get in 80-some games somehow, I think that would be tremendous. I saw an article uh, within the last 24 hours. Ozzie Smith was saying, you know what? Might be time to bag this season. Maybe all sports because of the dangers of the coronavirus and what's happening in our world. Um, I, I see both sides of it, Brian. I, I mean, I see the, the benefit of coming back and giving people a diversion, but I also see uh, a side of it that says, you know what? Clean it up, get this thing right, and just start over. What do you think? I think we're kind of past that point now, Dan. I mean, the, the, the negotiations have gone on between owners and players, and they're not done yet. But regarding all the testing protocols and all the things they're going to do, they're going to have safeguards in place such that, you know, we shouldn't hope or expect that, that we're going to a major league player or a coach or someone is going to die of the virus. You know, they're going to do all the testing they need to do, and if they have to pull back, then they'll pull back. But I think at this point, 
you know, we're going to see sports and it's going to be in a controlled environment. Maybe there won't be fans there, which is part of the owner's concern, right? The owners were hoping, you know, maybe we could get some fans in the you know stadiums later in the season and that would help help the revenue flow. But, you know, nobody's going to do that unless they're, they're sure it's safe. And if there is a problem, you know, their testing is, is, is going to be better than probably 98% of the population gets. So, you know, they'll be all over it if there is a problem. So, you know, I, I get I get where Ozzie Smith's coming from, and but you know I think there's enough momentum and enough reason to want to play that this this is probably going to happen. I'll wrap it up with this: you stay busy, even though there's not uh, baseball. What's happening at thecardinalnation.com? Well, we're continuing to recap the uh, various Cardinal uh, drafts. Uh, Blake Newberry and our team's doing that, and then uh, Derek Shore, our, our normal uh, minor league writer in Springfield, has started a series on where are they now. Uh, with former Cardinals. He, he talked to Brian Jordan, uh, Eduardo Sanchez, and he's got a number of others uh, coming up to tell us about where some of the names from the past, uh, what they're up to these days while they're out of baseball, and we're waiting for it to begin. Boy, we want it to begin. At least I do. Brian, thanks so much. Talk to you then. Well, the Air Comfort Service text line is wide open. Many thanks to uh, Brian Walton. We have uh, one from the 618. Hey, Danny Mac, love the show. Quick question and wondering if you have any more information. I have a trip planned for Memphis to catch a Memphis Redbirds game. Have you heard any more about minor league seasons in the current MLB talks? I know players are being released, but I didn't know if there's still optimism to have a minor league season or if they are going with expanded rosters with no minor league season. I- I'm going to say... I have not heard, and I said this with Randy Michelle, that it's officially been canceled. I'm, I'm reading the tea leaves. I don't think there's any chance they have a minor league season. That would be my guess. I'd, again, I don't know that as a fact. And the fact that if you're going to a Memphis Redbirds game, it's not to say that you couldn't fill it with guys going from single A, double A to triple A. But many of those triple A players you would uh, expect would be on the taxi squad. So you're talking about at least the idea has been 50 players with each team. You have a 26 to a 30 man roster night after night, and then a 20 man taxi squad. And that would be many of your minor league guys that you would be enjoying watching down uh, in Memphis or at Springfield. So at least if you bring them, you get them a little experience. If they're going to travel to various MLB cities, do they go with them? Do they have the experience of competing in inter squad games? I'm sure that would be something they would look at. So, all those things, I, I would imagine, are right now on the table for any Major League team. It is, let's see, time check, 1040 here in St. Louis, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. We'll get to text messages, the Air Comfort Service text line, the Rhino Shield mic drop, and that's coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Try to get through some text messages as quickly as I can. The 314. Good morning, Danny Mac. Love the show. Hearing Walt Jockety earlier this morning made me reminisce to when the Cardinals used to be aggressive. Go uh, wherever they wanted to get uh, player and free agency. I know a lot of people say the Cardinals are cheap. I don't think they're cheap. I think they're just not as aggressive as they used to be. I don't necessarily agree with that because they went out and spent and got Matt Holiday, brought him into town. I think the thing that you have to look at with the the Jockety regime and what we're seeing with John Mozeliak the landscape of baseball changed. So back in the early 2000s, if a guy was going to hit free agency, you would give up some prospects, go get them, bring them in, because the team that he came from was not going to pay him. Now there are, you know, just the way the business is set up, you can pay Nolan Arenado. You can pay certain players and keep them in your system. So really where your spending comes in, and it's not cheap, 
is in your farm system, and they've done a great job developing players. You look at the wave of uh, Trevor Rosenthal, Carlos Martinez, Matt Adams, list goes on and on. And that was when they changed their idea of how they were going to do business. They went away from how Walt was doing it. They went into more development, keeping those players, and they were aggressive. So sabermetrically, it was a look at how they evaluated players. Very, very important to look at that, and it gets overlooked. 618, Danny Mac, do you see uh, SLU being a tournament team next year? Love you on the Billikens games. Yeah, especially with Jordan Goodwin coming back, and Hassan French is, uh, I would assume, going to come back. He's not an NBA player, in my opinion least not yet so those two guys coming back they're going to be seniors they could be very very good what i'm concerned about is just getting the kids back on campus and having football and having basketball and hopefully those big sports trickle down into the secondary quote-unquote sports and you have more and more as it goes along 314 heard your interview with tom me about cutting the game why not show the crowd from their home socially distanced I, i think that's a valid point you know so many times that we And as Tom pointed out in the interview, we show the excitement at Bush Stadium. And that is part of the experience of watching a great moment at home where Tom will cut the pitcher. Then he goes to a shot of the hero. So it's the guy that hits a home run. Then you might have a shot of the home bench going crazy quickly to the losing bench of that particular confrontation. They're disappointed. Pitcher's down. Guy's raising his arm around second base. Boom, 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 boom. Go to a crowd. You're you're seeing all that happen. Visualize it. But I'll tell you something that was really cool. Matt Shedd of the Cardinals production team, and you may remember this after the 2011 World Series, he went on YouTube and grabbed all these people that were recording the David Freeze game, and he put it to the song Some Nights. Some night. Remember that? And so they put all these reactions of fans going crazy and and patios and at home. And there was a guy with his son and another one with his daughter, and they're all going crazy. And he he spliced it all in as Freeze is hitting the home run and the call and the reaction and the people at the stands and what's going on at home. And it was just a phenomenal piece to the point that when the Reds came through town, Joey Votto saw that on the screen and requested it. Joey Votto from the Reds wanted to see it because he said he wanted to show it to his teammates of what winning could look like. Use it as motivation. So looking ahead to a season without fans... Anything's on the table, and I do think that we have to be interactive. So if you have questions, we can answer the questions on the air. Tweet at us, Facebook, Instagram, going crazy with a home run. Here's my reaction to seeing it. All those kind of things. Again, have fun with it. That's the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it fun. I'm going to have a lot of fun with it because it would mean, you know, baseball's back. Uh, 636, love the conversation with Chip Carey. How prevalent is sign stealing after hearing about the cork bat? Well, we just saw it. (laughs) It's pretty prevalent. The Astros are doing it. We know that. The Red Sox, they're doing it. And by the way, if you think think they're the only two teams that have done it, you're out of your mind. It's prevalent prevalent in the game. It's just they got caught. Um, All right. We got Ribs and BK coming up. The crossover is next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
Hey, Danny Mac from the 314. The holiday deal was 11 years ago. Come on. I wouldn't say that's a relevant example. Okay, I'll give you some relevant examples. Signed Dexter Fowler, traded for Paul Goldschmidt, signed him for over $100 million. You made Yachty a Cardinal for life, more than likely. Adam Wainwright, Cardinal for life. That's an investment of close to $300 million. Miles Michaelis came over. He got an extension for over $60 million. Andrew Miller came in, KK Kim. So don't tell me that the Cardinals are cheap because they're not. Now, let's talk to Rivs and BK. It's the crossover here on 101 ESPN. BK, yeah, that one fired me up a little Dude, bit. I liked I'm that. Like, who the I heck enjoyed that? I just walked into the studio. I'm like, who the heck pet the cat the wrong way over yeah, here? You guys this got a guy. problem? Come on. What do you wow, got, too, huh? Listen, dude, I didn't say anything about the Cardinals yet. BK, what do you got for me? What do you guys got coming up? I always love your guests. I think we got a good show coming up. Uh, Conzo Martin, I'm really excited about this. He's That's awesome. He's been doing some of the media rounds lately. He, I, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but he feels an obligation to be able to speak out about what's going on right now. And he's already and done so very well. Exactly. I think he's one of the best voices that I've heard on this subject. He's a St. Louis native. He's from East St. Louis. He's now the coach at Mizzou. He's a local voice um, of prominence, and I want to get his perspective on all of this so we'll talk to him coming up at 11 30 we've got curbs coming up at 12 30 you will be on the show at one o'clock Wait, whoa thank and you and right. justin Bourne of the athletic his debut voyage on ribs and bk coming up at 1 30 i knew conzo pretty well when he was coaching um in the missouri valley conference and i was doing those games he is a remarkable man because as you mentioned came from a really rough upbringing in east st louis you know becomes a guy that that, that goes to purdue and is just nasty, you know, tough, tough player, um, and then went through the coaching ranks. You know, he was at Missouri State. He was at Tennessee. He was at Cal. Now he's at Mizzou um, and has done a lot, you know. I mean, and, and by the cancer. way, <laughs> and I was going to say, the, and the number one thing that he did was beat cancer and raised a ton of money for it and awareness, so he's a He's a hell of a man. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that. He's a heck of a basketball coach, but a much better man. And I would agree. This is not just my opinion. Um, anybody that you talk to within any of the basketball organizational structures that he's been a part of will tell you exactly that. And he's 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 better at talking about life than he is about basketball. And that's that's a pretty strong statement, given the fact that he's pretty darn good at talking about the basketball side of things, too. I don't know if you guys are listening, but today is the anniversary of the Sammy Sosa court bat. And I had Chip Carey. <laughs> Oh, who was uh, behind the mic that night when that happened. And I was thinking during this, and so this is for both of you guys, but specifically, Ribs, this would come uh, right in your wheelhouse. How do you cheat in hockey? I mean, can you have a, like a really curved stick, I guess? Well, you used to do that. Guys would push the limits with the yeah. illegal stick. But then the NHL just said, you know what? It's not really that much of an advantage. So they increased the curve. So now it's like there's almost impossible to have an illegal curve nowadays. Um Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know how you cheat in hockey. Like, as far as, like, there's no corked bat. It's not like you have a corked stick. That's or, what I mean. You know, or faster skates. You and know? there's not a third base coach giving signs that you can steal off of, so you're not stealing signs. There's no. not a football that you can deflate, which, there by the go. way, I was unaware that that was cheating until it became <laughs> right. a thing, so. It's not. I wonder if the texters have an idea. <laughs> you guys can go into that, you know, 65780. Looking forward to it. Conzo Martin at 1130. I can't wait to tune in. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. That's the crossover. Colin, great job as always. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.